should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them. What your grandmother? So you don't have to. It's Papa Miento. Shut up. Where we read them, so you don't have to, because they made me get on the ship and come back home. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Benedict, who refuses to record without a pina colada in hand. Benedict, who's the best comedy duo active today? Kevin and Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, not that. Um, depends on how do you define acting? Hint, there is a correct answer to this question. Oh, uh, uh-huh. okay. I mean, let's say within the last three years, doing stuff okay, together. But, right, so like like Fry and Laurie, for example, yes, are both there, there's active a, There's a very stuff. real chance you land on the same answer I have. <laughs> That's my hint. That's my okay. hint. Okay. Uh, why don't you give me your answer first? My answer, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Oh yeah, that's they're so true. fucking brilliant. They're so are fucking they, amazing. Are together. they a comedy duo? Yes, they did that whole thing during COVID with all the the Zoom meeting stuff. They did all yeah, that. And that's true. have you seen Good Omens? They're fucking yes. brilliant. They're fucking yeah. amazing. Sorry, I just when I think comedy duo, I agree they're very good. Mm-hmm. When I think of a comedy duo, I tend to think of writers. First, okay. So like sketch show type thing. So I don't know. I mean, I, Fry and Laurie are, are both still alive. They're just yeah. not doing anything together at the no, moment. No, but they were good when they were there. I mean, they're both still acting and doing stuff. Um, also, isn't I Stephen Fry a turf now? Probably. Most famous <laughs> British people are. Um, Hugh Laurie's still know. a good one. Hugh Laurie is sti- Hugh Laurie's a good. champ. Good. I'm glad Hugh Laurie's yeah. a champ. He seems good. He seems like the better of them. I mean, if we uh, learned anything from House, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah a, a, just a disappointing amount of British people are turfs now. Yep. Um, I do, do you know what? I just, I don't know. Like, my, my, mm. answer, my answer would have to be something along the lines of, and I can't even think of the right person to do this, but, like, in the 80s, there was this common question of, like, who, who are the best doubles players in tennis? <laughs> and the answer was John McEnroe and anybody. So, like, it, you know, it's, it would be along those lines for me. So, like, I Bill mean, okay. Hader and anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd go with something like Tim Robinson and uh, yeah, that, Sam that Richardson be, or something yeah, like okay. that. Yeah, could be that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah honestly, like, I'm not sure that I'm super aware of, like, comedy duos, honestly. There's not as many duos as there used to be. There used to be a lot of duos, and duos are well, great. Well, do you know why? It's because um, sketch comedy is taking a dive in terms of, like, like how exec producers and, well, producers generally see sketch comedy and i understand that to an extent because there are so many actors that you don't need two dudes normally to be like hey we're gonna play 18 characters in a half hour like you just don't need that (laughs) and also a lot of a lot of old sketch shows probably involved some racism and or transphobia and or also true i think when did With Bob and David come out? That wasn't all that long ago. It might be outside uh, of three years, yeah. though. No, that's true. Yeah, but I'll no, give you Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Cause... That's probably, that's possibly right as yeah. an answer. That'd be great. Anyways, Benedict, 
Uh, you know, I think. What it, also, you made fun of my, my opening there. Bonbini is the Papa Miento phrase for okay. welcome. Thank you very much. Language, I didn't make fun of that. I made fun of you fucking up the, the not Caribbean. your grandmother's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's presumably a French Creole, is it or no? Uh, I didn't look into it, but it was the word they had everywhere for welcome. Um, okay. I think I Googled it, and it, it, I just know it's called Papa Miento. I don't know anything else about the language. Okay, I don't know anything I'm going to look it up. Uh, but you probably know what it is that we do no, here in this forgotten. program. Uh, well, that's a problem. Uh, but other folks, uh, they might not. Also you, apparently, this time. But uh, you, and to them, I would say, this is the program where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from a work of conservative nonfiction and in between, I have to change that since we're doing fiction now, taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Do you have... Start us off. I've lost track too. Wow, it has been a while since we've recorded. Yeah. Start us off this week, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us? Uh, yeah, it's the Papimento is a Spanish Portuguese Creole <laughs> spoken in the <laughs> the Dutch islands of Curacao, Aruba, and somewhere else. What is the difference uh, between Creole and Pigeon? What is the difference? I know uh, I looked it I think up they're, once. I think they're different names for the similar things. Okay. That, that I, I think Creole is like a French thing and pigeon is like for english but it's the same thing oh okay. it's like an it's it's like yeah it's the same thing i think please correct me <laughs> if i'm wrong um, if, if benedict accidentally just said something very racist <laughs> yeah maybe that, there's always a chance i think there's I'm a always, racist connotation to pigeon i think there i'm might sure be. there is so maybe we i'm just sure that that it. sounds right yeah let's yeah. just cut that bit out that's fine yeah, anyways um my actual hot take is that i am not for corporal or capital punishment but whoever came up with seasonal allergies that is oh, why you do one this exception. every year my you one do it exception. every yeah but now year. we have new listeners and i need everybody to know <laughs> that you're and an you... old white british man <laughs> yeah well okay so i don't know what the thing is uh, maybe because i my allergies always used to be worse in the uk but i've seen that uh, i saw a good bit actually an australian like Australian dude who was like doing a summer tour in the UK and was like, um, I apologize that I don't know his name, but he was like, I always get allergies in Australia. And then I came to the UK and I was fine. And it was like, oh yeah, because this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I am not meant to be in Australia. <laughs> My sense. ancestors went where they weren't supposed to go. Like, Indeed. yeah, dude, that's. <laughs> so anyway, mine are better here. So maybe I was supposed to be here somehow, <laughs> cosmologically. I don't know. Uh, but they're still bad, and my, as you can hear, I have a sniffle and a sore throat. So, yep. And I am uh, not cutting any of it out of the episode. I'm not doing fine. my apologize. editing magic for you. What's your hot take? My hot take, Benedict, is that uh, the Jim Carrey movie, uh, Liar Liar, made $300 million at the box office. Uh, sure. it, it went on to, Profit or? to be all over the, the networks that played movies, the TBSs, the USAs, made a lot of money on VHS and later DVD. I'm sure it's on streaming everywhere. So people, stop telling me the story about the robber who fell through the roof and sued the homeowner like it <laughs> happened to someone in your actual fucking family when it came from that goddamn movie. How is your QAnon cruise? The cruise was great, Benedict. Don't ask me about the people, though. Don't ask me about the people. Big boat, water, great. I was people sitting on there. Big boat and water, less good. Talking to a guy. And look, I get it. You all think that lawyer jokes are funny. Ha ha, we're all evil, blah, blah. You don't know what we actually do for a living. Thanks. It's no, great. but it's mostly also I true. understand it. But 
when every single fucking one of you, when I give a lukewarm defense of being a lawyer for a living, pulls out the fucking story from Liar Liar about the... And it's from the scene where the secretary gets mad at Jim Carrey and says, this is why I hate lawyers, because blah, 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 blah. What am I supposed to do? Call you a liar to your face? Yes. Is that what I... Because I, I couldn't. I couldn't say anything to the man Actually, in the Actually, no. You should call them Liar Liar. <laughs> The only person I have ever successfully called on stealing that story from Liar Liar is my own father. Because I don't give a fuck how he feels about me. That is the only person I have ever said, no, that's the story from Liar Liar. That didn't happen. You haven't. You don't know anybody in real life who that happened to. It's bullshit. <laughs> that couldn't happen. And then I'll spend 40 minutes explaining how we have different levels of standards of care that are due to people who are onto your property under different circumstances and how someone who was trying to break into your home couldn't sue you because there was a knife on the counter. Sure. That's my hot take for the week. <laughs> that seems right. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yep. That's maybe we should just do like an agony rant. There's a thing. lot of agony. There's a lot of agony. I'll be honest. I did enjoy, li- I-, I never got into a conversation with someone who was spinning conspiracy theories, but I sat near and eavesdropped on a lot of them. Uh, because it's, it's a cruise ship. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, there's a certain type of people who gravitate towards cruise ships. It's a fine vacation, obviously. I just took it. But for some reason, it, it, it draws in conservatives. I don't really know why. That's the sort of thing that they, they gravitate towards. But for some reason, uh-huh. they do. Um, and I, I It heard, is weird, too, because... On. Sorry sorry to interrupt. But just, like, essentially, it's like a floating city. Yeah. They hate cities. <laughs> <laughs> Also true. Oh, there was a Oh, can we incident. spread a conspiracy that cruise ships are the new 15-minute city? Yes! You can get anything you want yes! within the bounds yes, of Yes, absolutely. Ship. Nothing was more than Hell 15 yeah. minutes away. Absolutely. There was a race in- incident on the cruise ship uh, oh, no. where uh, a white woman started yelling racial slurs at a, a couple of children um, oh. uh, because they were splashing in the pool. Uh, so that made a whole, a whole thing. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'm done with cruises for a while. That seems right. <laughs> That seems right. How are the how are the countries? Oh, or the oh, islands. The islands were fantastic. Aruba, uh, Bonaire, Curacao, lovely places. The people are amazing. Did you uh, see the iguanas? I saw the iguanas. I saw several iguanas. There were many. Cool. Uh, they were lovely. The beaches were fantastic. I I snorkeled for hours. I love to snorkel. It's what I do. I love the fish. I'll just be out there snorkeling all day <laughs> until my fish. back is just peeling off my entire body because I'm so sunburned. Uh, mm. So I spent plenty of time snorkeling. Um, I, I I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Good. But I'm never. I'm not going to do a cruise there again. I'll just. And now go. you're back yeah. to your landlocked. Now okay. I'm back to St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you very is much that... for reminding me. Anyways, on to housekeeping, Benedict. Uh, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Follow us on the social medias at NYGBC Pod and at NYGBC Ben on Twitter. Uh, updates, just a couple updates. Uh, first, new patron-only bonus episode is available now on Patreon. We did that right before I left on the cruise, uh, so it's been up for a week or so, but I don't remember if I mentioned it on the last episode we pre-recorded. So that's up there if you want to go check that out, if you haven't already, if you haven't become a patron. Uh, and also, only other update this week is that in my my plentiful amount of time on the cruise to relax and overthink uh, when I should have been just drinking... Uh, I finally workshopped a quote to the point where I like it, and I'm ready to hit send. And it's, if you spend your life LARPing as a Klansman, you're getting buried in the pointy hat. I thought I'd just perfectly punchy now. I've said something along those lines many times. I think that's the perfect punchy version I want to go with. So that's hit send. Done. All right. 
But in addition, that's, Benedict. That's the, fir- the first quote in your book of witticisms. <laughs> exactly. Right. We have to induct uh, someone into the Spooky World New World Order. And I'm sure there were many people while I was on vacation who did stuff that was Spooky World New World Order worthy. Uh, but I was on vacation. I wasn't keeping track of any of it. Sorry. So hit me up. And I don't pay attention to any of this, yeah. if we're honest. Yeah. So. Hit me up if there was something I missed. Remind me, uh, and I'll get you in on the next episode. But we have to induct our newest patron, Benedict, into the Spooky World New World Order. Blah. So Stephen DeBow, you are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. I always say it, New World Spooky World Order, and I'm never going to change, even though it's not what he says in the clip. I'm not going to change it. I'm what sticking with it. What does he say? He says New World Spooky World Order, doesn't I he? say Spooky World New World Order. Oh, no, it's he New World Spooky World Order. He says New World Spooky World Order. Exactly. I'm wrong. I, I say it the right way. But here's, here's the thing, Benedict. Because it's Glenn Beck, I'm still right. Doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> it's like Glenn Beck's razor. Like, even when he's right, he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly it. And of course, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, blah, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommend it to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can, drop me a screenshot to let me know, make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. And with all that out of the way, Benedict, let's... I'm not a witch. You thought I was going to go with the go-ahead one there, didn't I you? I did, yeah. <laughs> makes sense, and the one you chose does not make sense. Threw you off. I threw Let's you off. I'm not a witch. That doesn't make fucking sense. <laughs> well, you know what? You fucking goddamn <laughs> fucker. Why don't you shut up about it? <laughs> Benedict, why don't we get yeah. into the episode this week? No. Uh, so, Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I shan't. You can't make me. I'm the king now. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that would be Andrew. Uh, so <laughs> the uh, the uh, the soccer fans from the team I support were singing "Andrew is a nonce" to the tune of da 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 on the day of the coronation, and I've never felt more proud. That's great. That's so great. Okay, the the Rory Stewart picture I sent you, where you went to Pizza Express after the coronation. God damn it! God damn it! So good, so good. Oh, we miss all the fun things when we're on vacation. So, Benedict, were you aware that in in 2008, (laughs) there was one man who stood between this nation and absolute ruin? A man man who was in a position of power with the ability and wherewithal to bring the truth to light and really make change in the world. And more importantly, Benedict, to stop the radical communist takeover of our nation organized by the communist Democrats and their Muslim allies in Al-Qaeda. Were you aware of all this? I said no as a joke. Uh, <laughs> no as a serious answer now. I would like to change it to a serious answer. I was not aware of that. <laughs> well, allow me to inform you about a man by the name of Joe Arpaio. And What's his middle name? It feels like he might have a middle well, name. Well, it's, it's in... Uh, uh, I get to that when I start the biography portion. I do the middle name. I can't do it now, because then it's not going to be as punchy when I get to okay, it. It's just yeah. not how it works. You'll hear it fine, later. Fine, fine. But I know, you, and I know you'll accuse me of being a tease. But I promise we'll get back to how Joe was going to save the country in two thousand eight. Right? We'll get okay. back to it. So coming up in the next few weeks, obviously, we're going to begin our review of the Steve you Seagal tease. book, <laughs> The Way of the Shadow Wolves, and also we're going to start that series on the you know anti-immigration impulses of the right. Did uh, I tell you I left it out when I had people over? <laughs> <laughs> what? That's the thing. 
I, I, sometimes <laughs> I leave the books I read, and I I read far more than the books we just do on the show. I know. I, know. I leave them around that. Like there have been times when the fucking Turner Diaries was laying on our kitchen table, and like I. It That's doesn't occur good. to me. It doesn't occur to me that people will see that, that people don't know and who you not are. know why I'm reading it. Right? That, like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't hit my mind properly. Uh, but I can see how it would be a problem. Uh, but obviously, we're gonna do Stephen and uh, the guy who actually wrote the book, um, whose name I forgot because he doesn't fucking matter. Uh, next week in our author intro episode. But this time around, I wanted to focus on the man who is, as a matter of fact, far deadlier than our boy Steven Seagal could ever hope to be. Because he actually held power. Yeah, and actually murdered people. Uh, And who also, of course, wrote the introduction to the book. That's our boy Fat Joe. Now, (laughs) I I try to scatter random insult nicknames throughout throughout the the episode. You know, that's very very Trumpian of you, (laughs) little Joe. Little Joe, Fat Joe, uh, Tiny Tiny Joe, Sausage Hands Joe, uh, Bacon Hands Joe, uh, Breakfast Sandwich Hands Joe. Oh, I'm hungry. I'm just hungry. Uh, now, I haven't taken the time to fully read the Shadow Wolves yet, book yet, but but I've skimmed it, and I've read some reviews of it, uh, the few okay. that were ever written, basically, as, as lol bait, because nobody took the book seriously. Uh, but generally, the thrust of the book appears to be that Obama is using Antifa and MS-13 to smuggle in illegals, and more importantly, Muslim terrorists, which we all know Obama is obviously himself, uh, as part of a plan to kill off white Christians. That seems to be the general thrust of the book to me, based off the two paragraphs I've read. Uh, and if I'm wrong about that, I'll be so mad. I'm so sure that's the plot of the book. So, it should be no surprise that really the only person truly appropriate to write the introduction to that book is the world's most flatulent sheriff, who also happens to actually believe that all of those things are going on in real life. So, Benedict, what do you know about Joe Arpaio? Yes, that rhymed on purpose. Uh, sheriff. Uh-huh. Uh, don't know where of. Mm-hmm. Uh, piece of shit. Yep. Two for uh, two so far. Damn, you're yeah, killing that, it. That maybe I'll just stop swinging now. <laughs> it's uh, uh, internment camps. This yes. Is like fucking awful Mad Libs. Like, yeah. this is, I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> this is the worst game of Mad Libs ever invented. You are correct. Um, uh, that's kind I mean, that's not it. I know more, but I like if I say the whole thing, we won't have an episode. So, sure, like, sure. Yeah. why you don't could, you, you explain to me as yes, if we all, I don't know? We all know that there was a Last Week Tonight episode about him. Bah, yeah, ours is going to go exactly. beyond all that stuff. Uh, yep. He's pretty well known world lo- worldwide, I think, given all of his basic human rights violations. I think the Daily did a piece on him as well. There's there's way been back, so many pieces. Way back when he was pardoned or whatever yeah. happened to him. So to be honest, there are so many insane things that Joe Arpaio has done that there's no way I could cover all of them in this episode. So if I missed your favorite Arpaio moment, uh, sound off in the comments, as they say. Put an F in the chat. <laughs> but I'll say at the front that we're not going to talk about particularly the sex crimes that his office failed to investigate. Um, we've got a whole pile of absolute evil to go through for today's episode, so I just wanted to leave off a whole big section that could be particularly difficult for some people to listen to because the details are just horrifying and Arpaio's indifference is just more disgusting than I have words for. So that's there if you want to go look into it. There are articles Also, other people have covered that pretty... Absolutely, absolutely. So, Joseph Michael Arpaio. Oh, there, fucking Michael. What a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, usually, sometimes it's something fun. That is better when it's something fun. I want it to be like fun. Imaldehyde or something. <laughs> Just like for, like, 
<laughs> it would be better. I will call him that from now on. Joseph Amaldehyde Arpaio. That way, this is fictional, and they can't sue us. <laughs> was born June 14th. Well, they can't sue us because we're just speaking the truth about him. Yeah, that's uh, also true. Was born June 14th, 1932. That makes him 90 years old today in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, both of his parents were Italian immigrants. He's from not the- even fucking from Arizona. Nope. Nope, that's he's not. Pathetic. He's not. That's- but he is the most Arizona man to ever live. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's possible. Both of his parents were Italian immigrants from the region of Lacedonia, uh, but his mother died giving birth to him in what would be only the first of many deaths that Arpaio was responsible for throughout his life. Yes, let's that's a low blow. Let's not say responsible. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not say responsible. Well, Adjacent you get the gist. You. I do, yeah. Arpaio joined the Army after high school, where he served from 1950 to 1954 in the Medical Detachment Division, which uh, uh, his only overseas service I was able to find any reference to was in France. Uh, After leaving the Army, he was a police officer in Washington, D.C., then Las Vegas, before being appointed a special agent in the FBI Bureau of Narcotics, which later later became... The Drug Enforcement Administration. Sorry, he was in the army during the Korean War and And didn't didn't serve in Korea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, he wouldn't be the only one. No, I know. There were plenty of people who who didn't actually end up going to Korea. Like, it's not outside. Actually, I have no idea about what proportion of the army actually went to Korea. But you get what I'm saying. There were people who were in the army who didn't end up going to Korea. And and, and from what I can find, he didn't seem to have, like, an affluent childhood. So it's not like he bought his way into a... Uh, an easy job or something like that. Well, he also volunteered for the army, right? That's like right, the, right, right. Yeah. So he spent 25 years with the DEA before leaving, well after his prime, if he ever had one, uh, after which he was involved in a travel agency in Scottsdale, Arizona, that was selling trips to space on rockets that, uh, of course, never happened. That that never happened. This this was in the 80s. He, he never did that. They never went to space. Uh, but at some point, Joe got a wild hair up his ass to run for sheriff, and if there's one thing Arizona is known for, it's absolutely batshit politicians making even bigger asses of the state. So, of course, he won. Uh, he was first elected in 1992 as the sheriff of Maricopa County, Arizona. Uh, Arizona, as I should say. <laughs> Maricopa, Arizona. Which is, of course, uh, the fourth most populous county in the entire United States. It's a very large county, right? It's the home of Phoenix. Uh, it's where everyone in Arizona lives, right? Like, pretty basically, much. Basically, yes. Yeah. The rest of the state basically does not matter, right? Uh, bas- I mean, no, basically, there, just in terms only, of numbers. There's only, like, four counties in Arizona, right? I didn't count up how many there are, but it has approximately, as of today, 4.4 million people in Maricopa That's a lot county. of people. It's a lot. It's very big, right? Uh, for reference, the next most populous county in Arizona is Pima County, with less than a quarter of the population at around 1 million, followed by Pinal County at about 420,000. So it just tapers off really quick after you get outside of Maricopa. Uh, but Arpaio spent 24 years as the Maricopa County Sheriff until he lost re-election in 2016, which you may recall making a big, yeah, a pretty big splash of news as a bright spot in an otherwise pretty shitty electoral yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but during his tenure, Arpaio was the self-proclaimed America's toughest sheriff, which let's just take a moment to discuss how dumb that is. Why, why would you want to be, what does that mean? Why would you want to be called it? it he's a big fat boy. He's not t- I could beat up Joe Arpaio. I know as a matter of fact that even in 1992, I could have beat the living crap out of Joe Arpaio and I was one year old. Isn't he also tiny? I, like, I don't know fat, if he's tiny. short. I think, isn't he short? 
I, I, don't I have know. this. I, I have this. Look, I only like making fun of people's sure. physical nature if they're a massive piece of shit. So, you know, like, That's yeah. Fine. Let's just say he's short. Let's say he's short. Who gives a shit? Short and fat. Okay. Short. There we go. Joe or Uh And a lot of his He's claim five foot to seven. Being, that's pretty short for a There person. you go. Shorter than me. Yeah, damn right I could beat him up. Uh, a lot of his claims claim to being tough as shit. Yeah, I could beat up a 90-year-old. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's asking? <laughs> a lot of his claim to being the toughest sheriff in America comes down to his long list of human rights violations, which are going to be the bulk of what we talk about today. Um, and uh, content right. warning up front here, right? Uh, Arpaio has done a bunch of heinous shit that we're going to discuss. Um, so if you have the slightest bit of empathy for human beings, a lot of this episode might bother you. Um, it certainly didn't bother Joe. Uh, in 1993... I can go? You don't have the option. <laughs> Uh, in 1993, the year he took office, right? He won in 92. He took office in 93. Uh, Arpaio set up a tent city jail complex, which is originally intended to be a temporary expansion of the Maricopa County Jail, but became permanent throughout his entire tenure. Uh, this was outdoors next to a permanent structure at the jail. And over the next 24 years, it would expand and conditions in it would intentionally worsen. Intentionally. Presumably disgustingly hot. Well, like, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about the heat. Don't worry. We'll talk about the yeah. fucking heat. Um, and reportedly, the tent city was only to be used for people who had been convicted and sentenced for crimes. Remember, this is jail. So these are pe people who are convicted and sentenced to less than a year. You, if you're in for more than a year, you're on a felony, you go to prison, not jail. Uh, but to me, that doesn't even matter. Uh, it, it's a distinction not worth even weighing in the calculation because... Whether someone has been convicted of a crime or what that crime was bears no weight on how we as a society should treat them. It's a matter of humanity, our own humanity, not of theirs, also of theirs, but mostly of ours in how we tolerate them being treated. Um, an example I'll go to is the Nazi piece of shit Anders Breivik, who is in jail in uh, Norway, right? Um, he has a fucking PS3. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I have no problem with him having fucking video games and getting to live in a place with air conditioning and good food. That's how we should treat everyone who's in it fucking doesn't, prison. It doesn't mean we should torture people. But we should not so. fucking torture people. Give them all PS3s. Uh, I think no PS2s at best, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I'm willing to go to PS2. There's a lot of great PS2 games. Honestly, that, yeah, was a, no, that's true. that was a hell of a console. All the Crash Bandicoot games, just absolute bangers. All of them. Uh, some people will fight me on some of those games, but I loved all the Crash Bandicoot games. Uh, but in 2010, Arpaio himself described the tent city as a con concentration camp. And here for you... Which it, it is. It is. It let's, is. Let's be fair. And here's he was clip, not wrong. Here's the clip of him saying it and then denying that he ever said it. Cool. Sheriff Joe, I was just wondering... Um, since the illegals keep re-entering, you know, you can drop them off and they keep coming back in. Are you or do you plan on using some of these concentration camps to hold them because they keep re-entering and killing us? Well, you know, Sheriff Joe, well, already uh, have it. My, 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 dad, my dad told me that if I didn't improve at school, he was going to send me to a concentration camp. And I got my concentration real quick. So these people are all sick fucks. Uh, but those first two were not Joe. Those were not Joseph Arpaio who was saying that. That was a lady asking him a question at some sort of town hall thing, and then whatever douchebag is holding the mic. But here's Joe. Great. 
I already have a concentration camp. Andy, you gonna cover me on this too? Cool, so we're just laughing it's about Tent it. City. So now the footage cuts to, this is presumably a few days later, this is when there were people touring the tent city and there's some journalists there who are going to ask him some questions. Sorry, just pause it a sec. That was, a, that was a, a, someone talking about the fences being electric. So that people couldn't escape in yeah, Spanish, yeah, that just was a, in case. That was a journalist, did. yeah. Uh, I believe she's with Univision. Camp, and I was there what? publicly at the Italian American Club, Yukon Tent City, a concentration camp. I never Why? called it a concentration. I've seen it. No, well, no you've I've seen it. it. No, I, I don't it. call it a concentration camp. You did. You well, said we had a concentration camp. I don't recall camp. it. This is not a. Con I'll tell you right now, it's not a concentration. <laughs> You're talking about. The new tents or all the tents? All the tents. You no, said so. Well, I was there. So I, I may have said be... people have accused me of a concentration camp. This is a jail, a viable alternative to keeping people in the hard facilities. And I hate to ruin my reputation. They like it out here. Okay? So uh, you could argue that the statement he made at the Italian-American thing was a joke. Um I don't give a shit because they are concentration camps. It's a, also a bad joke. Yeah. So next, uh, we get a little bit of, of audio. This is that reporter interviewing some of the inmates. Uh, and it's all in Spanish. So, Benedict, maybe you want to translate for us. Uh, uh, I thought maybe you'd best. be able to help us here. Okay. <laughs> there are subtitles, but that's What do you think about the way that you're treated here? Sorry. She, she asked him how he feels about how they're treated in the camp. Yeah. It's racism. It's just racism. <laughs> That's literally all he says. He came here seven years ago. He came when he was seven years old, is what I said. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I years ago. And that statement, because... So he said, he said, I came when I was seven years old, 15 years ago. Like, how can you blame me, basically, yeah. for, for coming here? And I think that's relevant because the way that these camps ended up working out is over time, what Arpaio started doing was using the outdoor camps for all the people who were undocumented. So okay. because they were undocumented, they got to stay out in the heat. Great. Yeah. That's just Shit. blatant. Bla it, it's blatant. It's just fucking Racismo, blatant. as the guy says. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wanted to play the inmate talking because this is a human tragedy and it's important to keep in mind Arpaio's victims and they are fucking victims uh, as we talk about him today. Even people who have committed crimes can be fucking victims of our system. That's just how it is. So in 1997, Amnesty International concluded an investigation and released a statement and did an interview with the Phoenix New Times uh, outlining some of the conditions in the tent city. And I'll link to that story in the show notes. It's very good. It's very, very good. Uh, okay. They included, for example, some of the, the incidents that were highlighted. The death of Scott Norberg, who was arrested in 1996 for assaulting a police officer. The day after his arrest, uh, Norberg had a confrontation with officers in the jail, which one guard testified was instigated by Deputy David Gurney, who attacked him without provocation, attacked Norberg. So he was placed into a restraint chair. He was gagged with a towel. He was shocked with a stun gun more than two dozen times while restrained. He was beaten, and he was choked to death. 
Uh, one right. jail officer, Kimberly Walsh, uh, the same one who said that Norberg or that, or that uh, David Gurney instigated this, uh, told the officers who were beating and choking Norberg that he was not breathing. To which she claims they responded, "Who gives a fuck?" Nice. Maricopa County settled that matter for eight point two five million dollars. Arpaio refused to conduct a criminal investigation of any of the officers involved, and two of them were later promoted. That doesn't seem unusual, unfortunately. Like, that doesn't seem outside of the ordinary. Yeah. Another incident was that of Richard Post, a wheelchair-bound paraplegic who was arrested after getting into an argument with a bar owner for having a gram of marijuana. Uh, Post was denied a catheter, which he needed to urinate. He was paraplegic, uh, and he flooded his cell to get attention after he was denied a catheter and was feeling pain because he had to urinate. Uh, in response, the jailers shackled him to a restraint chair for six hours so tightly that it compressed his spine and caused him additional paralysis. Jesus. Maricopa settled that one for $800,000. Then in 2005, there was the case of Deborah Braylord. Uh, Miss Braylord was diabetic. She was arrested on a minor drug charge. She was denied any medical attention and became sick in the prison. She was ignored by the guards while she cried, while she defecated and vomited on herself and on others. Eventually going into a diabetic coma and dying chained to a hospital bed. That case settled for $3.25 million. And that's just three of the many cases of brutality and murder that have happened at the hands of Arpaio's deputies. And directly as a consequence of Arpaio himself. And that doesn't even bear on the inhumane conditions in Tent City. Some of those cases I just talked about, I believe all three of them, happened inside of the jail proper. Outside of the Tent City. So this is of course Arizona that we're talking about. It's not known for its temperate climate exactly. Uh, tempers are really hot or really (laughs) fucking cold all the time. That's, that's how it fucking goes. Are you okay? I'm good. This, this, I told you before the show that this one was a little tough for me. I know, but I feel Uh, like you had a very, like, you had a bit of a moment. I feel like we need to acknowledge it before we move on. Um, I've, I've, I've told the audience before what I do for a living. Um, I work on wrongful convictions. My clients are in prison. I've had three clients die in prison in the last year. Um, so yeah, it gets to me. It does. It does. Yeah, no, I, it I, does get I get it. It's, uh, you know, as it fucking should. <laughs> um, Jesus. But temperatures in the jail can often exceed 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Sorry, not. To What's fucking, that in Celsius? Uh, ooh, uh, about 44. <laughs> 40. That's downright chilly. 44. Yeah. Uh, no, that's really hot. That's like, don't go outside. You'll burn. Like, yeah. it, immediately. Yeah. Um, Sorry, this is in the jail or in the tent city? Sorry, this is in the tent city. Quibble. In the tent city, yeah, right. Remember the place where the uh, undesirables are kept. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and one of the things the tent city was well known for was intentionally depriving inmates of any means of cooling themselves in the dangerously high temperatures. In June 2011, temperatures reached 118 degrees in Maricopa County, and Joe Arpaio himself went to take the temperature inside of the tents, which registered on the thermometer he was holding at 145 degrees. Yeah. Sorry, why was he doing this? Was this to prove how... Presumably to show that it was fine! You're all just a bunch of wimps, a bunch of pussies! 145 degrees? Pfft! Who cares? Okay, you can set ovens to 145 degrees. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. 
Uh, Arpaio told reporters uh, at that moment when he was out there uh, doing the heat in the in the uh, tents, quote, what am I going to do? Take them out of jail because it's too hot? Yes. Our men and women are working out here in this heat, too. Does anyone feel sorry for them? Yes. No. Uh, well, no. no but they're, they're, like, they're you still shouldn't have them no. out in the fucking heat. Yeah. Uh, inmates uh, at that on that day, well, this is like a, a media day when media were allowed to be in there, obviously, uh, told media that the fans near their beds were broken and that their shoes were melting in the heat. But, uh, you know, don't say that Arpaio never did any kindness. That day, uh, when it was 145 degrees in the tents, um, Arpaio had all the inmates given a single six-ounce cup of ice. Wow. The first Which time they really had been given ice all year. Five seconds. The first time they had been given ice all year. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't 115 degrees only that day. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, the heat was far from the only issue in the tent city intentionally inflicted by Arpaio as an extra stroke of cruelty. Uh, inmates were fed moldy bread and bologna and only allowed two meals a day. Probably most famous were the pink underwear that he forced inmates to wear. Uh, he claimed that this was about saving the county money because inmates were stealing the jail underwear when they left. Yeah, that was right. what the claim was. Uh, and he sold pink underwear with the phrase, Go Joe on them which was supposedly to raise money for the Sheriff's Posse Association. Of course, he was accused of misappropriating those funds, and of course... That makes sense, yep, that tracks. Yeah, of course, refused to ever provide accounting of where those funds went. Uh, you know, he was... Yeah, that's just... That's just... Fuck. In <laughs> Add it to the tally. <laughs> that's... In 2000, Arpaio installed webcams in the jails that allowed the public to watch the inmates. Some what of which... fuck? Some of which showed female inmates using the restroom, which resulted in a lawsuit and the eventual removal of the cameras. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. Yeah. And Arpaio justified all of the cruelty by claiming that it brought down crime and recidivism rates, a claim so laughable that none other than the fucking Goldwater Institute, an Arizona-based crypto-fascist think tank, found in a report they released in 2009 that not only did costs actually go up during Arpaio's tenure, despite all of his claims about saving money, but that crime, violent crime, in fact, increased during his time as sheriff. And later fact-checkers looking at a broader range of time have found that generally the crime rates in Maricopa stayed largely the same throughout his entire tenure as sheriff. In 2008, and again in 2010, the federal courts found that Maricopa County jails violated the constitutional rights of inmates, including in denying the medical care, access to sinks, toilet paper, and soap, and that the food did not meet minimum guidelines set by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now, it should be apparent from what we've talked about already, and the reasons why he was doing this cruelty, that Arpaio's career as sheriff was more about publicity stunts and his own personal fame than the actual fucking job of being sheriff. And the list of stunts is sure fucking long. So, for example, on July 9th, 1998, a local TV news station was tipped off by the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office about an upcoming arrest of an 18-year-old named James Seville. Very unfortunate name. Very unfortunate name. Uh, TV crews were there to film the arrest, which happened at 3 p.m., just in time for the 5 o'clock news, as well as Arpaio's 4.15 p.m. press conference following the arrest. Yeah. 
Seville, or should I say Saville, was arrested for allegedly... I shouldn't say Saville. That's that's doing this guy dirtier than Arpaio did. Jesus. Yep. Um, was arrested for allegedly... <laughs> Jimmy Seville. <laughs> allegedly plotting to plant a pipe bomb on Joe Arpaio's $70,000 armored car, which of course had been the subject of his own scandal related to him using state funds coming from confiscated assets to purchase it. But... The story soon unraveled after it was revealed that he had been paid $4,000 by sheriff's deputies posing as members of the mafia to build the device. And they had even given him $200 for parts. That that seems like entrapment if I ever heard it. It was textbook entrapment. (laughs) But Seville spent four years in jail awaiting trial before being acquitted after the defense presented evidence that all of this was part of a publicity stunt by Joe Arpaio. Uh, the four women of the jury later told the media that, quote, this was a publicity stunt at the expense of four years of someone's life. Maricopa County settled Seville's lawsuit for $1.1 million. By the way, I'm going to keep saying what all these lawsuits settled for because of the ridiculous claims Arpaio has always made about how much he saved the county. When in reality, just I didn't even bother to add them all up, but it's over $60 million. It's got to be like, yeah, that's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of salaries. Yeah, when we get to the end of it, we're over sixty million dollars. Just what Arpaio has cost the county from his misconduct and murder and malfeasance—it's it's ridiculous. Um, at one point, Arpaio filmed three episodes of a reality show for the now defunct Fox reality channel called "Smile." You're under arrest in which they lured people with outstanding warrants for low-level nonviolent crimes into believing they were participating, for example, in a sting operation to help the cops, or being in a movie, or getting a relaxing spa day, only to end up being arrested. I I couldn't find any of the episodes on YouTube, but I'm sure they're out there on the internet somewhere, so if anyone wants to send me a link, uh, I'll link them in the show notes for the next episode. Uh, But that's not the only reality TV show Arpaio has ever been involved in. In was March, he on Big Brother? <laughs> he would be the worst person in the Big Brother house. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, was Andrew, Andrew Tate was on Big Brother, I think. I know he? that's not the same. He was on British Big Brother, yeah. Well, that's weird. Um, in March 2011, Arpaio used armed vehicles, to uh, armored vehicles, right, tanks, to knock down the back wall of a home in Phoenix for a search warrant on a cockfighting suspect. So that it could be filmed by none other than Steven Seagal himself for Great. Steven's own absolutely batshit insane reality show, Steven Seagal Lawman, which don't you worry, we will be discussing in more detail next week. I promise you that. I fucking promise you that. Steven was riding the tank that broke down the back wall and fatly lumbered into the yard after it broke through, pretending to be a cop like the fucking LARPer that he is. And, of course... There's a thing I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. That time that Arpaio claimed to have proof that Obama was a Kenyan Muslim. Uh, So, Arpaio had two press conferences in March 2012, which included his cold case posse. That's a real thing he had. At which he claimed Obama's long-form birth certificate was a computer-generated forgery. Uh, They also claimed that his selective service card was a forgery. Now... State officials in Hawaii, uh, you know, saying, no, you're, you're wrong. These are real. Wow, you're saying um, that the, the conspiracy theory about Obama being a Kenyan Muslim isn't true? 
Whatever next. I'm sorry to have to break this news to you, Benedict, but but yeah, as it turns out, uh, American. Um, and not to mention basic fact-checking on some of his claims. N- none of that held Joe back. Don't worry about it, right? For example, one of the things he claimed as evidence uh, were some printouts he gave the media at these press conferences that he claimed were from the 1961 Vital Statistics Instruction Manual, which is supposed to say how you fill out birth certificates and stuff like that. Those, uh-huh. those proved that it was a forgery. But when, you know... People with actual brains did the basic thing of, like, Googling. They found out that what Joe had given them was actually from the 1968 and 1969 Vital Statistics Instruction Manual, which is not the year Obama was born. No. And then that explained why he claimed there were differences and it was a forgery. But Joe... Not to be deterred, right? Not kept, to be deterred by facts. <laughs> he kept making the claims uh, and dedicated county resources to his racism, uh, including up to 2016 when he held a news conference where he claimed he had nine points of forgery in Obama's birth certificate. And, you know, to no one's surprise, I'm sure his birtherism endeared him to the, that year's presidential election winner. Birtherism, that's what it's called. Yeah, yep. and, and that's going to be relevant again in a little while, obviously. So... With all we know about Joe and his big ego, it probably shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that he abused his position as sheriff. Obviously. What else are you going to do? I mean, we've, we've talked about a bunch of examples of that already, but in addition to those, Arpaio repeatedly, throughout his career, used the sheriff's office to harass his political opponents, reporters, and elected officials who irked him. So, to begin with... In October of 2007, Mike Lacey, the executive editor of the Village Voice Media Group, and Jim Larkin, the CEO of Village Voice Media Group, uh, both of whom were the founders of the Phoenix New Times, which is in their hometown, Phoenix, were arrested for publishing an article about a grand jury investigation. Now, that grand jury investigation, as it turns out, was into them. Um, And it was initiated by a pet prosecutor of Arpaio, who had subpoenaed through the grand jury... All documents related to stories the Phoenix New Times had published about Joe Arpaio from 2004 to 2007. That seems legit, doesn't it? Yep, love that. Seems legit. Just so for some background, the Phoenix New Times was founded originally in 1970 as an anti-war publication in response to the Kent State Massacre and does a lot of alternative media work. You know, it has the normal stuff about culture and art and food uh, in the Phoenix area and larger Arizona. But most importantly, it was the outlet that had consistently held Joe Arpaio's feet to the fire and uncovered his malfeasance over the year. Like, I can't overstate the amount to which the Phoenix New Times was responsible for making sure that Joe Arpaio, uh, his bullshit was covered. Based like, on consequences. They were dogged in their reporting, and they deserved fucking awards for it. Like, I think they got some, but they, they deserved... Around? They, yeah, they're still around. It's, it, it's part of the Village Voice Media Group, so it's oh, you know okay. a bunch of of local alternative dailies and stuff uh, and weeklies that are that are you know part of the same the same stuff going on. But um, now it is possible that revealing the subpoena in the way they did uh, by publishing an article saying that they had gotten a grand jury subpoena was illegal. Yes, that is possible. But the grand jury jury impaneling and the subpoena itself were likely themselves illegal, given that it was blatant targeting of a media outlet for our exercising his First Amendment rights. Like, there's no other explanation for how no. this came about. There really isn't. Just the following day after the arrest of uh, uh, the two uh, journalists, um, the county attorney, who was not related in any way to Joe Arpaio or his pet prosecutor, Dennis Willinchick, 
who was the guy who impaneled the grand jury, declined to pursue charges against the two of them. But Willinchick demanded the IP addresses of every person who had read the story on the Phoenix New Times website. No, That's sir, please. <laughs> what level of fucking psychopaths these people are. Also, yeah. like, what are they going to do with that? I. Good question. Good fucking question. There, these look. There, there are bad lawyers out there, Benedict. There are really bad lawyers. They're Republicans mostly, but there are some really bad fucking lawyers out there. And yet again, this shouldn't surprise you with Joe. All of this led to a lawsuit against the sheriff's department, which resulted in a three point seven five million dollar settlement, which Lacey and Larkin used to endow a nonprofit called the Frontera Fund that fights for immigrants' rights, and created an endowed professorship at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. So. Good on them. They did good yep. stuff. I it's I particularly enjoy, you know, they're like the CEO of the Village Voice Media Group. He doesn't need money, right? But I do particularly enjoy when people use a settlement as a bitch slap to, be to petty. whoever they go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I love do. a petty settlement. I yeah. do really enjoy that. So between 2010, uh, or 2008 and 2010, right, in addition to what we just talked about, Arpaio and Maricopa County Attorney, which is like district attorney, right, they just call it the county attorney, Andrew Thomas, engaged in a campaign of harassment against the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, who Arpaio was, let's say, not friendly with. Yeah. As okay. well as, and this is probably where they really fucked up, a bunch of Arizona Superior Court judges. You is don't go the after the judges. The Supreme Court? No, the Superior Court is the trial-level court in Arizona. So I know it's confusing because you live in New York where the Supreme Court is what you call your trial court and your what we call the Supreme Court is the Court of Appeals. Uh, but in many states, it's the Superior Court, which is the trial-level court. That's what most okay. of them are. I hate that. Everything should have the same name. Yeah, it'd be nice. But it began with Andrew Thomas investigating and charging two Maricopa County supervisors named Dan Stapley and Mary Rose Wilcox, two of Arpaio and Thomas's political opponents. I won't go into all the background of it, but it's very clear Arpaio and Thomas just fucking hated the Board of Supervisors, uh, right. and and yeah, there, there was some bad blood there. So because of the optics, Thomas initially took the correct the correct path and had Stapley's case transferred to the Yavapai County Attorney's Office, who immediately dismissed the indictments after it was found that he had not actually violated any of the financial disclosure laws that Arpaio and Thomas had claimed he had. So, that makes sense. Just you know, making up crimes. Cool. Speed bump. Speed bump along the way. But then Thomas immediately filed new indictments against Stapley. And Arpaio, And I should say that these are, you know, I, I said them both, uh, Stapley and Wilcox at the same time. That, that's not exactly how it happened chronologically. Stapley was first. They went after Wilcox later. So Thomas then filed new indictments against Stapley, and Arpaio and Thomas began tracking Thomas. I like some Thomas. Began tracking Wilcox's mail. Uh, They raided a business that she worked for, and then they filed a 36-count felony indictment against her for failure to disclose a business loan from a company that had business before the Board of Supervisors. So the Arizona Supreme Court, which is the highest court in the state, appointed a special master for the case. A special master is basically someone who's going to review all the case and make recommendations to a judge who's going to rule on it. That's how that okay. works. Right. That was Judge John Leonardo, who likes me for me. Um, no? Not a no. big uh, Blessed Union of Souls fan? Not <laughs> even aware of the words that you're saying. I think that was Blessed Union of Souls. She likes me for me! Not because! Okay. Um, but the 
The special me, master you've lost me. You've lost the audience. The special master found that Thomas, Andrew Thomas, had acted unethically and prosecuted Wilcox for political gain and retaliation. Yeah, Wilcox, no <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wilcox, of course, sued the county and won a settlement of around a million dollars. So, in two thousand nine. Uh, Thomas and Arpaio filed a federal racketeering lawsuit. What the fuck? Rico. It's Just never Rico. making stuff up. It's never Rico. Against the Board of Supervisors and four Superior Court judges. Now... Just accusing the judges in your oh, state of being racketeers? It's so... It's the kind of thing that you only see... It's like literally halfway to sovereign citizen level. It's like... These judges ruled against me, so these judges are doing crime. That's not how anything works. If a judge rules against you, you lost. The judge didn't do a crime. You better have fucking evidence of a crime if you're going to claim that they were bribed or some shit. And buddy, they did not have any evidence of any actual crime going on. They were just throwing some bullshit out there. It was really fucking bad. Uh... But so Thomas held a press conference and announced that he had filed judge, uh, charges against Judge Gary Donahoe, who had previously ruled that Thomas had a conflict of interest in a case that he had filed against the Board of Supervisors, not the previous ones we've talked about, but was regarding a construction uh, of a planned court building in Phoenix. Um, the charges that Thomas filed against Judge Derry, Gary Donahoe were bribery, obstructing a criminal investigation, and hindering prosecution. Who and judges these trials? Another judge. Who is presumably friends with this judge? Well, that eh, could be. I mean, like, it's a small state. A lot of the judges are going to know each other. But that's not the sort of thing, like, that's not going to be a concern, really. Um, there are a number of, of you know, I, I get why you asked that, or I get why someone would ask that, but it's not something that I, as a lawyer, see as a problem regarding impartiality. Okay. Um, uh, if there is impartiality, it's apparent. And you can get a judge to recuse, or you can move to rec- uh, to replace them. There are various methods of, of getting rid of judges who may not be impartial in cases. Anyways, so Thomas didn't have any evidence that there was bribery, obstructing a criminal investigation, or hindering a prosecution. The only evidence he had was court rulings made by Judge Gary Donahoe that he disagreed with. But... <laughs> He still filed this case, Again, these charges. just like underlined red PowerPoints, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Look, I argued this, and he said no, so he's a criminal. Racketeer. This man is a racketeer. <laughs> and he filed these charges without even taking them to a grand jury, which definitely would have been the expected route in a case like this. Like, if you have something this high profile, you go. the reason why we see grand juries in a lot of high profile cases is because uh, it supposedly, and this is only supposedly, removes the taint of a prosecutor having an interest in the case or being influenced by outside uh, sources and things like that. Because a grand jury is a jury drawn from the community, and we'll talk in a minute about how, yes, you can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. But unfortunately for him... Okay, I know this isn't right, Mm -hmm. but I would like the world to know what grand juries are in my head. Uh Uh-huh. And in my head... Juries with big hats? No. It is a... Which I guess this is true of normal juries too, but I think particularly grand juries are focus groups for is this person a criminal? (laughs) You're actually not far off. (laughs) You're actually really not far off. That's my my perception of grand juries, and that is how I will think of them henceforth, and it will never change. Yep. 
Yep, I think you're, you're about halfway there. Um, but anyway, so he didn't go to a grand jury. But in February 2010, the judge on this case, Judge Leonardo again, he liked me for me, ruled that Thomas had conflicts of interest, uh, specifically noting that Thomas was retaliating against the Board of Supervisors, that he was attempting to gain political advantage with the case, that his alliance with Arpaio raised a conflict, and that Arpaio had misused his office to target the Board of Supervisors, and that he had a duty to provide legal advice to the Board of Supervisors, which definitely disqualified him. That is a definite conflict of interest. Nothing more clear than that. Uh, following that ruling, which also dismissed the indictment against Mary Rose Wilcox, Thomas announced that he was dismissing all the cases and a judge... This, this is... Oh boy. A judge ordered the release of grand jury transcripts, which is never done lightly. Grand juries are supposed to be secret. So if you get a grand jury transcript released, oh boy, there's some bad stuff going on. Um, and what that revealed was that Thomas had attempted to indict his subjects through a grand jury. Uh, <laughs> and they all said no. They said the no. The focus group said no. Grand juries never say no. The grand jury ordered the inquiry ended. That never happens. But this just shows how bad an attempt this was. How blatantly obvious this was just him trying to string up his political enemies. It's really crazy. So, as you would imagine, all of the targets from this filed lawsuits. Uh, and the grand total of settlement payouts from all this came to around $7.5 million. Um, and total cost, all said and done, for you know all, everything that Arpaio and Thomas had done, all the legal work, all this stuff, comes out to about $44 million. That's it's a lot. That's a lot of money. It's a lot. It's not That's saving the county money, is it? No, it's not. Of course, it should also be noted that all this was, uh, you know, maybe perked up the ears of some folks in the legal community who have more of a brain than Joe Arpaio and Mr. Thomas. Um, and that got the State Bar Association to open an investigation cool. into Thomas's conduct, which resulted in his disbarment in 2012, with the probable cause order for his disciplinary hearing stating, quote, Ethical violations by respondent, as described by independent bar counsel, are far-reaching and numerous. Evidence thus far adduced portrays a reckless four-year campaign of corruption and power abuse by respondent as a public official, undertaken at enormous and mostly wasteful cost to taxpayers. Motivation for much of the alleged impropriety appears retaliatory, intended to do personal harm to the reputations of judges, county supervisors, and other county officials. Actions by respondent appear intent on intimidation, focused on political gain, and appear fully disconnected from professional and prosecutorial standards long associated with the administration of justice. And, Benedict, those are far from the only political targets Arpaio abused his power to investigate and harass. Uh, he went after the mayor of Phoenix, Phil Gordon, the Arizona Attorney <laughs> General. Just making political enemies, then, also. The Arizona Attorney General, Benedict. Uh, he went after the school superintendent of Maricopa County, an ACLU attorney, and plenty more. He's just fucking corrupt to the core. That's, he just thinks he's a sheriff and he gets to do whatever he wants. That's how he feels. That's pff, just, just bullshit. Now, everything we've talked about so far is awful, and it's awful regardless of race. But, you know, Joe's a big racist too. It really shouldn't surprise anyone. <laughs> Great stuff, yeah. So, one of the things he was most well known for is his tough-on-immigration stance, uh, which, of course, was all the rage with the Republican Party in the Obama years. So he became an absolute superstar to every xenophobic chud across the country. And before all the indictments of his political opponents went down, you know, back in 2005, 
our buddy, Andrew Thomas, our now disbarred buddy, uh, when he was originally elected as the Maricopa County attorney, he had a campaign slogan. Do you want to say, you want to guess what it might be? Uh, Obama is Kenyan. No. Well, it's, it's much more catchy and it's, okay. let me tell you, this is a clever one. It's a okay. very clever slogan. Stop illegal immigration. Oh, okay, so yeah. clever. Wow. Oh, these people, funny. I wonder how much he paid an advertising firm for that one. Uh, but it appears that that is... Honestly, what... I respect advertising firms charging racists <laughs> way too much money for shit slogans. I mean, nobody should work with them, but if you are going to work with them, charge oh, them. Oh, yeah. I mean, words. if fuck Jerry wants to charge Joe Arpaio $5 million for some bullshit, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Throw a Joe Arpaio music festival, guys. Do it. I'd love to see it. Um, but what, what kicked off Arpaio's kink for terrorizing non-white communities, I think, is his relationship with Andrew Thomas where the two obviously, based on their later conduct, became pretty fast friends. But beginning in 2005, Arpaio began targeting heavily Hispanic communities and day laborers with so-called saturation patrols and raids. So saturation patrol is just like you just send like every cop in town to walk down various streets so nobody can get away. It's it's horrifying. It's fuck. It's a fucking attack on a community. That's what yep. it is. Um, that that is an actual invasion. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. Um, Arpaio once said of all these patrols, "Quote: Ours is an operation where we want to go after illegals, not the crime first. It's a pure program. You go after them and you lock them up. So not going after the crime, going after people for existing." Awesome. Sounds great. In addition, Arpaio's office engaged in the practice of racial profiling and unlawful detention based on the mere suspicion that an individual was in the country illegally, meaning, you know, they were brown and maybe had an accent. Uh, they did this often by targeting Latino drivers and passengers during traffic stops. If you don't know this, cops will, I mean, they get away with this all the time if they just don't admit to why they were pulling the people over. But, <laughs> but, but some Arpaio's, people are too stupid. Arpaio's pretty dumb. Uh, but, you know, pretextual stops are a thing that cops do, where, for any reason, you violate any minutia of the traffic law. Oh, they didn't think you signaled long enough before that turn. Yeah. They'll pull you over, and our Supreme Court is fucked in the head, so it's basically said that's all okay. Uh, so, you know, fuck the cops. Uh in 2007, Manuel de Jesus Ortega Melandres, a Mexican okay. tourist legally in the U.S. with a tourist visa and a uh, 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 there was another thing he had to have. I don't have it written down right here, but a U.S. DHS permit. I guess that was a thing that you had to get back then from from DHS to get into the country in addition to your visa. He had it all. He was here completely legally. He was a passenger in a car that was stopped by Maricopa County sheriffs. And although he was a passenger and the driver of the vehicle was Caucasian, the officer asked for Mr. Ortega's ID. And Mr. Ortega gave him his visa, a Mexican ID card, and a, the U.S. DHS permit, all of which he had on him in his wallet. Despite presenting valid credentials showing he was in the country legally, he was taken from the vehicle, arrested, held in the Maricopa County jail for four hours, driven to the Phoenix ICE office and placed in a holding cell, and was only allowed to leave after the ICE official looked at the documents and said, yeah, those are good. Great. Yeah. He was in cool. custody for nine hours. The the visa also presumably being in his fucking passport as well. Uh, I don't think it was. Um, I'm not sure how that works at the time, but uh, it was just a separate visa. 
Okay. It wasn't like there are v, there are individual visa cards, and then there are the stamps that they do in a passport. They're different, and I don't know all the details of it. But it's okay. uncontested that he was in the country legally, okay. and he produced documentation that proved he was in the country legally. Um, Mr. Ortega filed a lawsuit through the ACLU, which I will link in the show notes, with a number of other plaintiffs, which included two other U.S. citizens of Latino descent. These are U.S. citizens who were pulled over and cited at a checkpoint at which the officers demanded a social security card, which I shouldn't have to tell you, you're not required to carry on you at any time. No. um, Or to produce to police on demand. That is not something you have to give them. Uh, and it also included two other U.S. citizens of Latino descent who were held at gunpoint outside of a family business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office destroyed evidence during the pendency of this lawsuit and was sanctioned for it. I, I haven't mentioned it yet, but that happened in pretty much every one of the incidents we've talked about so far. They destroyed evidence. They got rid of records. They deleted files, right? In the case of the inmates Arpaio murdered, medical rev- uh, records and other evidence was just wiped from the system. It's a course of conduct with Arpaio, just to think, because here's the truth. It's repeated. Yeah, here's the truth. He can get away with it. Yeah. Because the only consequence he ever faced, the only consequence he ever faced was fines that were paid by Maricopa County, not himself. So he could keep doing this and keep getting away with it. And there was nothing anyone could do about it. That is such horseshit. It's such absolute horseshit. I really wish a judge would have stepped up earlier along the line and made Arpaio hurt for what he did. You know, fine him to a degree that would fucking hurt. Personally, not the county. Judges have the inherent ability to do that, and they should have fucking done it. Um, It's possible there's some fucking qualified immunity issues and stuff I don't know about, but it just pisses me off that he was able to get away with... Spoliation is the legal term for getting rid of evidence. Could sue him specifically? Oh, he's he was the named plaintiff in all of these. Yeah, he was one of the named okay, plaintiffs. Just the Absol- county, the oh, absolutely. It's just that because he's a county official, it's the county who ends up paying for it. Yeah, gotcha. It's it's horseshit. Uh, the judge, Judge G. Murray Snow, fun name for someone in a state that doesn't get much of that, uh, also stated, "Quote, actually, I I, I, I missed something. Quote, uh, oh, never mind. No, no. Uh, stated that quote." Sheriff Arpaio has made public statements that a fact finder could interpret as endorsing racial profiling, such as stating that even lacking 287G authority, which we'll talk about in a minute, it's what the uh, DHS uh, gave him that allowed him to do immigration work, uh, which was revoked eventually. Um, His officers can detain people based upon their speech, what they look like, if they look like they came from another country. Moreover, That seems like it might be against some human rights laws. Yep. Yep. Moreover, he acknowledges that MCSO provides no training to reduce the risk of racial profiling, stating, quote, if we do not racial profile, why would I do a training program? Yeah. Judge Snow also enjoined the Maricopa County Sheriff from, quote, detaining any person based only on knowledge or reasonable belief without more that the person is unlawfully present within the United States. Because as a matter of law, such knowledge does not amount to a reasonable belief that the person either violated or conspired to violate the Arizona human smuggling statute or any other state or federal criminal law. And round of applause to Judge Snow for the bare minimum of finally holding someone accountable in this shit. Hell yeah. Um, you know, and wouldn't you know it, Arpaio then initiated a criminal investigation of Judge Snow <laughs> for being a racketeer. 
<laughs> I, I also I, I enjoy the Arpaio like I know racketeering is like a specific thing but I just in my head he just always accuses people of old timey crimes <laughs> like hey he was a smuggler like what <laughs> he was bringing that hooch down from Canada uh, <laughs> uh, this was no the Joe end. we repealed that it's fine <laughs> Relax. Joe, well Joe doesn't believe in the constitution after a well. certain amendment um, I will, I'll let you guess which one uh, but the, the uh, second <laughs> this was again revealed by the phoenix new times great fucking job guys uh arpaio never admitted that he had done this but he did eventually have to admit in a hearing before judge snow that he had hired a private investigator to investigate judge snow's wife which okay. boy if you want to get on a judge's bad side one of many ways to do it right yep. there and in addition wife, to that, that'll do it. In addition to that, that the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office had paid a man named Dennis Montgomery to investigate whether the DOJ had been hacking Arpaio's emails as well as those of local judges and attorneys, including Judge Snow. Which, boy, that's a dubious CYA claim at best. That is, hmm, not what Dennis Montgomery was doing. I guarantee you. And Benedict, we don't have time to get into Dennis Montgomery, and I'm sure some listeners will be disappointed. Because not only is Montgomery a man who conned the Pentagon out of millions of dollars with his claim that he had software that could decipher hidden terrorist codes in Al Jazeera broadcasts, but he also <laughs> is the guy who more recently gave MyPillow's own Michael Lindell his ultimate proof data that was supposed to prove the election was stolen, and who I believe was the source of the hammer and score... Did you hear about the hammer and scorecard conspiracy theory? Did you no. ever hear that one? No. Oh, is okay. that there's... There's a CIA supercomputer called Hammer, and there's a program called Scorecard, and that's what they use to flip all the votes, man. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know which one's the computer, which one's the program. It doesn't matter. It's fucking batshit. It's amazing. I promise you we will talk about him someday. Okay. He's fucking amazing. You promise? I promise. But this case eventually ended with the preliminary injunction being made permanent. He was enjoined from doing racial profiling, obviously, uh, and an award of attorney's fees to the plaintiffs, the amount of about four and a half million dollars or so. Uh, simultaneously, the U.S. Department of Justice began an investigation of Arpaio, uh, releasing a report eventually that finding that the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office has, quote, a pervasive culture of discriminatory bias against Latinos that reaches the highest levels of the agency and also accusing Arpaio of engaging in unconstitutional policing and resulted in DHS revoking Maricopa County's 287G authority, which, as I mentioned, is what allowed him to take part in immigration enforcement to begin with. But it also shouldn't surprise you to learn that in subsequent years, Benedict, Joe Arpaio became a supporter of the CSPOA. Do you recall the CSPOA? No. The Constitutional Sheriffs and Police Officers Association. Okay which we have talked about in past episodes. Yep. No, we believe I the that. sheriff to be the highest law in the land. Yep, 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 and that yep, no yep, man, yep. no man can tell the sheriff what to do. He is the law. Yep. Uh, the DOJ investigation also resulted in another lawsuit brought by the U.S. government against Maricopa County for a whole host of constitutional and civil rights violations, including discriminatory conduct, assault of pregnant women, ignoring rape against Latino women, and just all sorts of awful things. Uh, that case ended in partial summary judgment against Maricopa County, and Maricopa settled the remaining claims after summary judgment. So, Amazing. But in recent memory, Benedict, there's one thing that Joe Arpaio is most known for, and that... Of course, 
is for receiving a presidential fucking pardon. Yeah, I remember from that. From Donald Trump. Yeah. This is why I know most of the things that I know about Joe Arpaio is because everyone got real mad about that. With good reason, as it sounds. Very good reason. And it actually stems from one of the cases we've already talked about. The lawsuit okay. brought by Mr. Ortega uh, et al. Uh, so in December 2014, right, years after that the injunction had been entered, telling Arpaio not to racially profile anymore, um, Arpaio, like was still, yeah. Arpaio was still racially profiling. It shouldn't surprise yeah. anyone. No, that doesn't uh, and Judge Snow uh, told Arpaio that he was consim- considering a referral cr- for criminal contempt uh, for Arpaio's continued failure to comply with to the court's To ignore order. a judge's or- or- orders. Yeah, it turns out they don't like it when you do that. Turns out that that's makes sense. generally not a good thing. Um, so after written argument, which was sent to Judge Snow, uh, he ordered a hearing on the criminal contempt charges. Uh, and in March 2015, a month before the contempt hearing, Arpaio admitted that he violated several court orders and consented to a, uh, a finding of civil contempt against him. That's different than the criminal contempt, right? Civil contempt, okay. you generally can't hold someone in prison for. Uh there, there, it gets a little bit more complicated than that, but you can hold someone in civil contempt in jail to compel them to do or refrain from do something. Uh, like, for example, if they're not providing documents that are required uh, in discovery or something and they get engaged in a repeated course of conduct, that may be one avenue to go. Um, it's often used, for example, in child support. Someone fails to pay child support or, more importantly, refuses to pay it, then they can be held in civil contempt and held in jail gotcha. until they agree to pay the child support. There are lots of issues with that. I'll very, very uh, uh, readily admit there are plenty of issues with that. But so him admitting uh, and consenting to the civil contempt finding did not do away with the criminal contempt. And in May 2016, the fourth. That's pretty uh, funny. Him being like, yeah, I admit this. And then they're like, OK, but also still this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so in 2016, uh, May 2016, the court found him in contempt on three counts and referred the case to the DOJ uh, for prosecution of the uh, criminal contempt. And in July so this, 2016... This was before or after he stopped being sheriff? Uh, he lost his election in 2016. Yeah. So he would have left office in 2017. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and in July 2016, he was found guilty of criminal contempt and scheduled to be sentenced in October of 2017. And... I think we've all heard the soundbite, but it's one of the more disgusting ones of Trump's uh, public career, where he said to a rally that Arpaio was convicted for just doing his job with that weird head wave bullshit side to side that Trump does. Um, And I think as we've seen here today, that's anything but the truth. Arpaio was convicted for very good. Oh, he was going above and beyond for (laughs) And he should have been convicted long before. And not only should he have been convicted of contempt, he should have been convicted of murder. And he should have been convicted on any number of other charges. Because all the things that happened in Maricopa County Sheriff's Department, in the jails, in the tent cities, all of that goes back directly to him. Every report by every government agency has all pointed out this stems from the top. It comes directly from Arpaio. He is the source of cause of all of this he did not discipline his deputies who committed murder who beat and choked a man to death as they zapped him with a taser for fucking fun he promoted them it goes to the top and i have no compunctions about saying that joe arpaio is a fucking murderer
But that's not how we're going to end the day today, Benedict. I know that okay. sounded like it would be, but uh, we're going to end. I, I left a moment of silence for you without saying anything, because I thought yeah. that was going to be it. But there we go. Yeah. That's not it. I want to end off the clip today with what is an even more recent, uh, I mentioned, you know, the, the pardon. That was 2017, right? He got pardoned by Donald Trump. But he's done a little bit since then, and I think it's worth noting. Uh, this is the, the most recent Does he have a appearance. podcast? Oh, God, I should have looked into that. I didn't even search the podcast marketplace for Joe Arpaio. If he has a fucking podcast, oh, God, I'm going to listen to it. Uh, we're going to end with one of his more recent public appearances, and I'm not going to tell you what this is. I'm going to tell you afterwards. Let's just is it on it. Diamond and Silk? Nope. Or just Silk? Or oh, God. Ha- I don't remember which one's still alive, but the fact that she still goes on TV with a picture of her sister in the chair next to her, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy, that's something. Okay, we're going to need here's, to wrap this up soon because I'm dying. Yep, here's Joe. I have the reputation of being the biggest racist in the country. Think of that. So, so, Are people cheering that? Well, I, like, I hate to, yes to the biggest racist? You'll learn in a moment that indeed they are. Is it indeed at CPAC? Are. Is that why? Oh, Benedict, wait a moment. I hate to... What are you clapping for? That I am or I'm not? <laughs> that you oh, are. I'm not. Boo. And I, I know you guys and gals aren't either. You're trying to do the right thing for our country. Now, they got me on racial profiling. Obama and Biden and uh, a judge, a federal judge, that tried to hang me. And he did. He, he did. didn't hang you, not famously. not get into that. You are getting into it. I know a little about policing. So maybe I did racial profile. At least they could, at least, uh, no, wait a minute. Hold on. Okay, all right. Let me clarify it. So Benedict, that was Joe Arpaio speaking to a room of neo-Nazi groipers at the America First Pack. Yeah, that makes sense. That was my second guess. They were cheering for the racism, Joe. They were cheering for the racism. So... Uh, this one's been rough. <laughs> yep, I'll, not good. I'll say this one's been. I here's the thing. I feel like my voice doesn't sound normal like it does usually. I don't know. Maybe it's all that salty air. <laughs> it's all that that beautiful salty air in the Caribbean. Uh, but uh, you maybe. Know, also, I have been out of it this whole episode, so mm-hmm. you know we're that's... getting back into the rhythm. That, look, we had a nice long vacation. We're getting back into the rhythm of things. I'm just, um, I'm just dying. Like my face, <laughs> my face is melting. I had to turn the gain off on my, uh, I was, I've been sneezing this whole time. I don't know if you heard it, but I have been sneezing a lot. So I was in and out. Like the audio levels are going to be wrecked. Is what uh, I'm telling you. I'm sure that the listeners are going to be telling me that uh, listening to your disgusting sneezing the entire time it, it was was not great. Also, I just realized now at the end of the episode that I missed another new patron who I should have get a, given a shout out to at the beginning of the episode. So I will do that on the next episode. But I also say here, Madeline and Zachary Wilson Fetro, you are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. That's a special one for you. But... Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Madeline and Zachary Wilson-Fetro, Stephen DeBeau, Torian the Gallant. 
I was going to do that in the, the, the <laughs> Crusader King's voice, wasn't I? Uh, 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 <laughs> and yeah. I forgot to do Tori and the Gallant. <sighs> Amy Kaiser. Sean Sullivan. Lauren S. I love when George Jordan yells out, thank you very much. Also go listen to the MYGBC podcast. Little Flick. William Patterson. Flack Weasel. Kieran Dackler. Join us next time when Tucker Carlson cancels on us to go lick toes with Mike Tyson. <laughs> King. You are a king. Henry Louis King Jr., Seraph Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clifton Stuckey, Paws Loves NYGBC, Arrestless Native, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Saulnier, Stefan, Shark Belly, Utah Outcast, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Baka, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen, and Cindy Dimmick, Taru Takanan, and Balls Waters. And thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, Joe Arpaio is a murderer. Goodbye. Goodbye. Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.